You're listening to the Tidy Revival Podcast, where we explore the stories and emotions behind decluttering and home organization. I'm your host, Carly Adams, home organizer and creator of the clutter-free home process. Now, this is the time where I remind you that this is not a show for little ears. If your kids are in the room, please pause now. This show has an explicit rating. We're going deep. We're going through your shit while we're going through your shit. Now, let's get started. Question of the week. Okay, this question is about the kids' playroom. This comes up all the time, and it says, I'm completely overwhelmed with my kids' playroom, and I don't even know where to get started. Please help. So my biggest advice for playrooms is to always declutter first, right? I know I'm talking about this constantly, but in the playroom, it's especially important because you're going to find a lot of trash in the playroom. It just happens. Old you know, art projects, random things that have fallen off toys, tons of broken toys, little chintzy stuff that you need to just throw in the trash can. You're also going to find things that your kiddos have outgrown. And so it's important to identify those so that you can reduce it. Most people, and I would say 99 to 100% of all clients that I work with in-home, in playrooms, are really annoyed that they're are too many toys and then it's just this never-ending thing because their kiddos are always getting gifted more toys or saving up for more toys or whatever the case may be. So reducing the amount is really important so you can kind of start with that good clean slate again and make some room. So after you've decluttered, then you can look at storage, either utilizing the storage you already have, maybe relabeling some bins. If you have not enough storage and you're needing more I would definitely look at how much vertical space you have to utilize. A lot of times in playrooms, that can be a really underutilized space and completely understand wanting kiddos to have access to as much as possible. But there's always some stuff that you don't necessarily want them to have access to all the time. And those items can be great candidates to go up higher. And then you can clear out more space down low for kids to access things more easily. This is also a great time to see if there are things that maybe you're between ages on. If you have a younger kid and an older kid and you have a bunch of stuff in the middle where no one's really playing with it right now, but someone will in the future, that could be good to pack away and have maybe in your garage or another storage area to pull out at a slightly different time. If you have more questions about this, let me know. And if you have a question of the week that you would like to add to our lineup, feel free to DM me on Instagram or email me at carly at tidyrevival.com. Welcome, welcome. I am so happy to have one of my favorite people in the whole wide world here today, my brother-in-law, Paul Arai. And I'm going to let him introduce himself in a second. But before we do, I just want to say how excited I am for this conversation because we are talking about organization in the real world and why it matters. And in this case, some of what we're talking about can literally be a matter of life and death, which is not ever the case in my job, literally ever. So uh, we're going to just jump on into it. And welcome to the show, Paul. Can Thank you, you. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, including what you do in the world, your career background, because we're going to be digging into this in this conversation. Sure. Well, thank you for 
having me. Appreciate it. This is so fun. It's my first podcast. But like you said, my name is Paula. I am, I'll tell you about myself in intro. I'll just do my intro that I do for when I used to interview for fire departments. Yeah. So I'm um, a father of three wonderful kids, a seven, six, and three, and they are rumbunctious and crazy. They are crazy. <laughs> They're some of my, more of my favorite people in the whole world. Anyway, continue. <laughs> and I have a wonderful wife that is supportive and just great with the kids and so, so great with my career too. So it's been, she's a wonderful fire wife. It, I can't, couldn't do it without her. I can't do it without her. And so I guess chronologically going back, uh, I'm a firefighter for 16 years. I used to be a unit president six years prior or two years ago, two years ago and at a different fire department. And before that I was a, in the restaurant for basically all my life and my first steps as a baby, I think we're in a restaurant because that's all I remember. So I've been in the business, the restaurant business or the service industry for a very long time. I still actually do that on the side on occasion, catering and yeah, mainly sushi, Japanese food. That's my, my profession or my, what I'm good at, I guess. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Make a good pasta too sometimes, but yeah. So Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to talk about this. I'm sorry that Gimli is trying to climb you like a tree, but we are we're rolling with it. Are we friends on social media yet? Whether your jam is Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, or Facebook, follow us at Tidy Revival for tips and updates. Okay, so yeah, let's start at the beginning. Like you mentioned that you have your earliest memories in restaurants. So I'm going to say you were, how, how old would you say you were when you start working in restaurants? Mm, yeah. Since I could walk. Yeah. Like forever, <laughs> like, right? I remember in the dish bit, I, I was trying to wash dishes, but I was too little to actually carry the tub into the dish pit. So <laughs> I would have to like step on a bucket or to do dishes, things like that. So I think maybe I was five four I don't know yeah. I don't remember like I mean my I only did it a little bit didn't my didn't want the dishes to pile up so they fired me in quick yeah got some <laughs> family else. business you know you gotta kind of need results so <laughs> <laughs> how how old were you do you think when you realized the importance of organization in a kitchen oh yeah that was a trial by fire thing it was a very stressful time in my life it was organization was not something that was taught to me like it wasn't a family thing it was an, it was definitely not a family thing <laughs> but we won't dive into that just yet but yeah so my mom was she's pretty crazy I would say but in a good way like she is a black sheep of the family I think is a proper way to put it but she does she you know goes beat or how does it how do you say it? Mm. By her own she drum. beats to her own yeah, drum. Yeah, beats to her own drum. She's a beat to her own drum type of person. Yeah. You can't tell her no, or if she gets something in her mind, she has to do it. So organizational though, that wasn't her strong suit. So I learned by basically watching her and going, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to follow those steps because they're very stressful. And so not to get sad or anything, but when I was 17, my, my father was murdered and all of a sudden, this is when our prime like family business and things like that. And I dressed, graduated from high school and I started at a junior college and I was in architecture, really random thing that I'm looking back and looking at what I do now. I was like, oh yeah, but 
So I had to take over the family business to, in order for family to survive. I had a, have a younger sister. She was still in high school. And so I took over, but my parents were not organized. So it was, it was just such a stressful time going through paperwork, trying to figure out what's going on, what's what. And the filing system was just horrendous. Like it, it was just a mess. It was basically under like a blanket or under things like all the just paper, like important paperwork everything everywhere. yeah everything everywhere in the office there was just no system and so yeah it was it was learning all those things going like wow I can't find anything I don't want to do that I, I have to come up with something better and so through that journey and I, I would I have been making sushi since I was 11 years old officially like I, that was my summer job at the restaurant that would work during the summer and then that was my allowance yeah yeah technically my allowance, but so, but fast forward to high school, I, I never learned or was taught sushi like in a professional manner or at a you know, traditional way. Mm-hmm. So that was another trauma fire that I had to learn. And once again, I had to organize my thoughts and organize my skills because I didn't have that luxury of time at that time. Mm-hmm. Everything was all of a sudden I had to take over. I had to fill in this big role. And now I'm trying to figure out how to not only grow up as a 17, 18 year old. Who's grieving. Yeah, who's grieving. And now I have to run a business and I have to take care of my family and, yeah. and all that stuff. So was, there was really no time to like learn things slow, if you will, you know, like yeah. take my time. And so it was rapid fire. And the only way I could survive that, or I survived it now, I look back is that I started organizing a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I started reading books, business books, and a little spare time like in between like lunch and dinner service and things like that, <laughs> sitting on a bucket, trying to read a book and trying to figure out like, what can I do better? And one of the things that stuck out was like, this is a mom and pop shop. We are not, we don't have the technology. We don't have the luxury of a consultant coming in or anything like that. Right. It was just a mom and pop shop. We learned basically trial by fire and my parents were immigrants. I was the first generation born here. So there was also the language barrier for them. Um, even though my uh, father was a uh, college graduate, master's degree at uh, San Jose State, it was still, you know, culturally, my, it was just difficult, you know, mm-hmm. to, you don't know the culture unless you've been in it. Mm-hmm. And what I found out, what I found in my own observations that usually for uh, immigrant families, it takes a generation to really get immersed in the culture. Mm. So that would be me, the immersion in the culture of learning the American way and things like that. And then being the bridge between the Japanese way and the American way mm-hmm. for my for my parents at the time. So mm-hmm. uh, sorry, this is kind of rambling, but go on. No, it's perfect. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, yeah. So, so the thing that I was really sticking to me is like, how can these fast food places or these like restaurants that don't have like a, like that heart and soul of that love in the food are so busy and so successful. Like what are we doing wrong that they're doing right? Like I needed, I needed that answer. Like that really stuck with me. And so through my research and through searching, um, it became a consistency thing. I realized mm-hmm. it was consistency. So even though the food's bad, if it's consistent, people go because they, they know, know exactly they, 100%. They know what they're going to get. They know what they're paying for. There's no surprises. Mm-hmm. And when they have that craving, they're like, hey, you know what I want? I want that. Mm-hmm. And they get it. They yep. get exactly what they want. And yep. that's, satisfi- that's satisfying. And, yep. and that was like, wow, like that blew me away when I realized that. I was like, that's it. That's it. That's the answer. So I need to be the same mm-hmm. with the food that I serve at the restaurant. We need to be consistent. 
And so we didn't cut any corners, but I started researching like and watching shows. I watched a lot of shows and read a lot of books on cooking and how recipes and how commercial kitchens run. And fortunately had a hired a like a manager and he came from the fast food like type restaurant type stuff so like mm-hmm. backroom grill or chilies like those type of level where it's a sit down mm-hmm. and so he was showing me like how they do fast service and I was like mm-hmm. oh okay so that really sparked the oh let's get this going let's let's put it together and so through that journey I realized like wow uh, efficiency is key Mm-hmm. right everything we do has to have a purpose and no wasted motion and don't do the same thing twice mm-hmm. if you if you can avoid it mm-hmm. and so I started rearranging the kitchen I started rearranging and counting the steps actually to see how far it takes or how long it takes or how many steps it takes to get certain things for a recipe or whatnot mm-hmm. and then I started going okay should I, how do I make the steps less? How do I make the time frame less? How, what can I do to speed up this whole process? And so we went from slow service to decent service. And man, it, economy was doing great that at that time too, but we were, it just started like taking off. It started exploding. That's amazing. Yeah. And we, it was, it was so insane. I look back at it now, I'm going like, what was I like? It was so busy. And so like we were, putting up temporary stations in the restaurant just so we could cook more food and faster because we were just that busy. Like we just ran out of space to do everything because everything was at the max of efficiency Yeah, and we just didn't have any more space. So yeah. it's like, what do we do? So we were like bump, almost bumping into each other and trying to make sushi and then the kitchen was doing the same thing. And I had to hire, like, I, mean, I think at the end, it was like 26 plus employees that I had and we were, we would do dinner service plus do like a hundred people catering or like catering or like banquet style service yeah. at the back at this at the same time. Oh, like dinner service, like prime time, six, seven o'clock. That's really intense. Yeah. And so we would prep like crazy and it was just, yeah, there was a lot of preparation. And so that's one of the things what I learned is that it's not for work now that I do as a firefighter, I would call it preventative or you know, thinking that way. But back then it was more of, preparation for like the battle or for what I have to do and so there's yeah. a lot of preparation involved but because of the preparation it made it less stressful yeah and that was my number one goal and all of that was there was so much stress already involved I was like how can I make my life less stressful yeah <laughs> and I wore like many hats like I was doing uh like marketing to like finance stuff to accounting partial accounting stuff luckily I have a cousin who was helping me out with all that she was good with numbers and so she was doing a majority of it but I had to still like budget and and figure those things out and and logistics operations like recipes and like hiring for so HR stuff Mm -hmm. I was researching and actually implemented retirement and um, medical for employees and this was in 2000 four so wow. it wasn't even a thing that says we're doing yeah you know, unless, like, especially part-time employees yeah and today is like well you have to do it right it's forced but back then I was like no I want to build a company that appreciated the employees because we did like every one of those employees were family and, and they meant the world to us because that's how our success was based and so and and yeah so that's that was my goal in that in that time of my life which was a long big chunk yeah <laughs> Okay. I feel like that explains so much for later. Can I tell the story about your wedding? Uh, sure. And catering. <laughs> yeah. So Paul's, Paul's an amazing chef. And you also need to know that we live in the same neighborhood. 
So I would be lying if I said I didn't benefit greatly from Paul's skills as a chef, because that would be a flat out lie. I do, especially when we first moved to SAC and we were like getting back on our feet, just kind of start starting over here. They were especially nice to us having us over for dinner and stuff. And we really appreciate it. But Paul's the only person that I know ever who has essentially catered his own wedding. And <laughs> I feel like we helped like a little bit. Oh, I helped a lot. Everyone helped so much. But it was so much like, it was like that prep. So then the day of, uh, he wasn't cooking the day of, he was busy the day of, but there was so I much. I tried to, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you got, I know you did, huh? Did. You, you got me to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel's like, no, you have a different job that day. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and it, if it wasn't for my buddy, I he he's a chef and he helped me out tremendously and he he was doing the finishing touches and everything at the wedding day so without that I couldn't so want to give him credit yes I I didn't do it completely by myself no but you but I did a lot of it you did a lot of it you executed it was this beautiful beautiful winery wedding and just and it was the first wedding at that location and I just like I will never not be in awe at that because Lord knows I didn't cater anything for mine like (laughs) we skipped a lot of wedding stuff and had everyone else do it um (laughs) we got married within like two months of each other us two couples anyway oh my gosh okay i'm loving all of this and i feel like that just really just illustrates the power of organization and 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 so to relate that to my career field today which i'm a firefighter um wait i actually i want to press pause really quick because i have i have more questions about this oh, okay. before we yeah, dive into the absolutely. second part because I and I have so many questions about each but the the first thing that and I'm sorry to interrupt <laughs> yeah, <I'm not> <laughs> the first the first thing that re- really struck me that I just wanted to dive into it for a second is that you were really talking about how can I reduce my stress yep. and that the organization really helped with that mm-hmm. which I gotta say is basically why I have my career now yep. because I am not an organized person at all all of this is learned and it literally changed my life. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. In such a prolific way that I'm like, I need to spread the news. Mm-hmm. I'm like a missionary for organization. <laughs> like, have you heard the good news? Here's a bin. <laughs> Let's declutter. But yeah, it's it like it change. It can change everything. Yeah, yeah. And is- and to add to that, organization to me is a little is very personal too. Yeah. And so like when I was doing the the restaurant stuff, I would I. Remember the Palm Pilot things? Oh yeah, that just did not work for me. It, I couldn't live by the Palm Pilot. Palm Pilot, and yeah. a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, you know, you got to get this." And I was like, I, "I just couldn't do it. I couldn't live by a calendar. Like, uh-huh. There's just certain things that I just couldn't. I do it now today. Like I, uh, the iPhone has been wonderful for organization in that sense be- mm-hmm. because it yeah. will send you alert or if you you do a reminder when you leave, you know, remind me of this and it automatically reminds you. So, yeah. so those type of things were great now, but back then it was just pen and paper or like post-it notes, just like stuff like that. That That's how I felt in my corporate job about Evernote. People love mm, yes. Evernote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've tried it. Yeah. I'm, I know people who swear by it, change their life is so good. I had to use it for work because it was like the thing my boss wanted me to use it, but it never really worked for my brain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you got to find the things that work for you specifically, even if other people are like, no, I'm telling you it's the best. (laughs) Yeah. And and I said it to my clients too, like, as we're going through this process, if anything I'm saying doesn't 
doesn't feel good. It's really like a feeling. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. Just tell me. Yeah. And it won't stick if it doesn't feel right. Exactly. And like, I don't live at your house. And I think that too is one of the trial by fires or trial by error. It's where you try it out to see what you like about or what you don't. So Mm -hmm. that, that actually really for my personality today is I'm willing to try those things just to see, I know I'm not going to like it or whatever it is, but I'm going to try it to see what I like about it or what I don't like. So yeah. that way I know later, like, yeah, I didn't like it like this or wow. Yeah. I like that part of it. And mm-hmm. then I might find something like, oh, that's what I was looking for all my life. Yep. And it's like, bing, light bulb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what, so that's where, uh, I, man, I, I can't tell you how many times I failed in the restaurant. It was, it was so much. It's yeah. Well, ditto. I mean, there are some things in that I was doing years ago where I'm like, that's not really my jam anymore. Yeah. And that's fine. Cause you just, you learn and grow. You're evolving. Yeah. And that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that was one of the things I wanted to mention was, uh, so Kaizen, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, mm-hmm. the Japanese saying, and in a nutshell, it's small improvements, to better yourself, but it's a constant, it's a consistency thing where you always are improving a little bit. Yes. And that, that is, I didn't know at the time, but I realized that that's what I was doing. Yes. And that's really the success that I had in the restaurant and we were able to sell it for you know, pretty good money. And, and, and it was, it was yeah. very financially blessing for the, for the family. And so that, that was the wonderful thing about the, the restaurant that provided for us in that way. Yeah. And, and so yeah, it's the small improvements. And it's a, it's a long journey. It's not a sprint. That's for sure. It's baby steps. The <laughs> yes. baby steps all matter. Yes. So Gimli is such a little, he's a climber today. He just wants to be in the lab. It's not happening, but yeah, it really is all about the baby steps. We talk about that a lot in my community, that it, it really is about the baby steps and it's about celebrating every little win. And it's about these small actions that you do. It's not about like, let's set five days aside and go through your whole house. Like, no, you're going to get burnt out. Oh yeah. It's just little improvements. Okay. So speaking of little improvements, one thing you touched on was that you rearranged, you rearranged the kitchen when you first started getting organized in the restaurant and that it made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And that struck a chord because I talk with people all about this, like all the time. I have something I call the real estate rule. And that is like giving the prime real estate to the things that you use constantly and kind of organizing from a, how often do I use this out? hundred percent. And that's, that's really huge. And like rearranging the flow of your kitchen. I, I can't tell you, sometimes it saves people from a remodel. Oh yeah. 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 Cause they're like, this kitchen's so crappy. It doesn't work for me at all. But if things were just in different areas, it, it, it might. It feels better too. Yes. Yeah. Less stress. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Well, so with that being said, the the thing that struck a chord or like stood out to me during that time about prioritizing what I need and the remodel or not needing a remodel, I didn't have a choice with that because we didn't have a budget. Right. So even though my dream was to extend, expand all this stuff and saying like, oh, if we only had space here, we can do it that way. I made the space work. Mm-hmm. and that had it was hard it, it, and that made an ongoing like ever-changing thing I always I had to change the system many times it wasn't just one one time the only that one time worked for now and I was like you know what it works but it doesn't work if mm-hmm. that makes sense mm-hmm. you know, just like no it's it can be better and so there was a constant changing unfortunately but fortunately because it at the end it became a good model 
And yeah. so I knew where to invest the money in mm -hmm. energy. So that's when it was before I purchased major equipment and to change. So the flow. So I started working on the flow and I realized like, oh, you know what? We can save steps. if Instead of going to the refrigerator that's uh, it's like 30 steps away, why don't I bring the refrigerator closer? Mm -hmm. but I can't bring a giant refrigerator. So I, I went with drawers, the refrigeration drawers, mm -hmm. even though they're not as efficient, can't have too much space, but you don't have to move, right? You could, you're cooking and all you have to do is open the drawer, take whatever that is pre-measured out that we prepped, right? Preparation. And then boom, you drop it in and that's it. Yeah. So it went from a minute process to seconds. Yeah. Right. And so that investment paid and like tenfold because mm -hmm. of that. And so then our prepping from there, we is kind of like working backwards. It's like, we got this. Now, what do we prepare in the big main refrigerator, right? Mm -hmm. So we went from preparing servings to fit into that. And so like everything started to flow and started to change, but that became a great product in the end. So and that's, a, that's the journey, right? That's mm -hmm. the big journey in organization is figuring that out. It's feeling good. Oh, but I got a tweak here. And then it just kind of comes together. You know what the next step is versus yeah. being lost. Like that was my initial, like I was just pacing, walking around. And this was like before anyone showed up, like two hours before. And actually it was in Japan training. And then I came back. And so I was jet lagged anyway. So I was just, so I was up at four in the morning. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go and try to like apply what I learned or what I thought about and all these notes that I, were take, I was taking at the time. And so I was just walking around pacing and counting and going, man, what can I do here? What can I do there? And then it just started to like flow from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just got to take like a little bit of action and then it can kind of snowball from there. Mm -hmm. That's And that's the not being so upfront. Like you're saying like, why isn't it working? And then like that stress, it, you don't have to feel that way. It's like, it's a process. It's a beautiful process mm -hmm. and you just have to keep at it. And those little steps at a time will come and, and you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself that it has to work. You know, you got to have to let that go and go, you know what? I have to figure out my identity in this, my process in this, how it works for me, how I like it. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, though, if you have a family, then it can be difficult and challenging because obviously everyone's different. You know, mm -hmm. someone's organization's different from the others, things like that. Mm -hmm. And for me right now, I'm also at the mindset of like, well, I want an independence for my children. So, but not that much independence. So what can I put in within their reach mm -hmm. that they can do, but it's not my system in a way. Like I don't yeah. like it there, but so it's adjustments, little adjustments here and there in evolution in life. Totally. This episode is brought to you by the clutter-free home process, my online course community that teaches you the process I use with every client, including how to declutter and get things out of your home. Yes, including the tough stuff. We're also going to create simple systems and learn how to maintain it all with personalized support and accountability along the way for six months. Learn more at tidyrevival.com forward slash course. Okay. We talked a lot about restaurant and organization and how it's helpful. And I know we've talked about how we can bring that to our home kitchen too, but let's talk about, a, I know we have a little more to say on some key functions of a well-organized kitchen and how we can bring the principles of the restaurant to home. Yes. One of the things that I do and I see myself is I, or I should say what stresses me out about cooking is not having certain things within reach or having to move around too much and I have to turn my back or this type of stuff. And it really like 
stresses me out when I cook. So I like to have things within reach. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it has to do with a lot of preparation, being prepared, having these small dishes if you need them or a big dish to carry multiple ingredients or things like that, but close by. So you don't have to chop and then saute and then sauce or whatever that that the recipe calls for. So, and another thing is don't stress if you're looking at a recipe and they talk about prep time and it's only 20 minutes and it's taking you that long just to read the recipe because it's so complicated. Like don't just don't follow that time. Is that is so general. And, and I could still tell you from personal experience of trying to write a recipe and and, and sharing that. It it I can prep fast because I'm used to it. I, I've cut thousands of pounds of onions and so or filleted thousands of pounds of chicken so to me just the wedding yeah exactly (laughs) that was just friday (laughs) and so that to me is fast and easy but to people who don't do this on a regular it's time consuming and so don't you know that's the whole get the stress out leave that stress out somewhere else where you don't have to worry about that just enjoy the journey of cooking like for me it's a passion it's like you're passionate about what you're making i love it because I get to serve something that people enjoy. It brings joy to their hearts. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your, your social economic standard or where you came from, your background. If it's good food, it's good food. And you're going to have a good time. Yeah. It feeds the soul. Yeah. Uh, well, as someone who regularly benefits from your amazing cooking, I appreciate it. You're very welcome. <laughs> hey, hon. Are you looking to jumpstart your organization? Check out my free printable decluttering guide to give you inspiration on where to start. Just head to tidyrevival.com forward slash guide to get started. We were having so much fun recording this conversation that we decided to not worry about how long it was going to take and make it a two-parter. So the second half of this conversation is going to drop next week. Review of the week. This is by Quarky Dog, and it says, Great show. I love this show. Carly has a wonderful, inspiring energy that comes through in her podcast. Great stuff. Thank you so much for your kind words. I really appreciate it. And if you would like to rate and review the podcast, this really helps us reach more people so that we can spread the word about decluttering an organization so you can rate it on your favorite podcast and we will read your reviews on the show. Thank you for tuning in today. If you want to learn more about how I can help you, Head to tidyrevival.com to learn more about how I work with people one-on-one or in the clutter-free home process private community. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you'll always have access to the latest show. We would also love to hear your takeaways. Feel free to tag us at Tidy Revival on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. The Tidy Revival podcast is written and hosted by me, Carly Adams, and edited by Brittany McLean. Title song, Maverick, is by Dresden the Flamingo. And until next time, remember that you got this.